Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. of our Christian Atheist series. Um, it can be a little bit of a confusing term, right? Christian Atheist, it doesn't really make sense. What's going on here? Well, we know that, that an atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God, right? They don't believe that there's any kind of God out there, that God doesn't exist. So the way they live their life is they live their life like God doesn't exist, right? They're their own God. Um, they do what they want, when they want. They're kind of like little kids, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what they want, when they want. They, it's, they make their own choices. They live as if God doesn't exist. Well, a Christian is someone who believes in God, but they also live like God exists, like God has commands for them to obey, like God has a calling on their life, like God has a purpose for them. So a Christian atheist is going to kind of combine those two things, right? It's someone who believes God exists, but lives as though he doesn't, right? Believes God exists, but lives as though he doesn't. And a lot of the, the kind of the inspiration for this series is you kind of see it, especially in the South, especially around the holidays, right? We're all thankful. An NFL player scores the winning touchdown. They thank God, but the rest of their life looks like nothing like God, right? The, the, there's this Thanksgiving season. We're thankful for, for God and what he's given me, but your life doesn't look like you believe that God exists at all. There's this sense of, of believing in God, but living as though he doesn't exist. So last week we talked specifically about those who believe in God, but don't know him. And there's kind of three different levels to knowing God, and the goal is to ultimately know him with the sincere, wholeheartedly serving him with all of our being, right? And the, the, the key and the application for that was that we have to seek him, that, that we knock on the door, we seek him, and God will make himself known to us. It's a simple application. So this week we're kind of getting into it, it, with those who believe in God, but don't fear him. Last week was don't know, this week is don't fear him. This is kind of the best way I can think to put this is uh, a customized Christianity, Right? I mean, we live in a day where you can customize anything. And I'm for it. Like, I'm here for it. Right? I saw a, an ad on social media the other day where you can have 
your own dog's face on your socks, right? That's you can awesome. customize your socks. Like, that's that's cool, right? Like, I mean, I'm not going to pay the $10,000 that they were asking for it, but but it, that's a cool feature, right? Some custom socks. Look, I'm wearing some custom socks. I got my football socks on, okay? So so I'm, I'm, I'm here for the dog socks, right? But but there's this sense of, of taking this customization too far. But kind of to, to illustrate, this isn't too far, but I think about grandkids. Now, I don't have any grandkids, but... I have a kid who is a grandkid, and I was—I am a grandkid. So there's this this tie, right? And I can remember being little and growing up and going to to my grandpa Dew's house, and my grandpa Dew would always have the party pail. So if you know what the party pail is, it's this way too big tub of ice cream, right? It's just this huge tub of ice cream called the party pail, and you got three choices: vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate. If you don't like any of those three. Tough luck. <laughs> you're going to get all three. Usually you don't get one or the other. They're all kind of mixed by the time it's at the bottom, and it's this weird, gross combination of all three. But but you got three choices, right? I can remember a while back, my dad, who is a pawpaw, calls me and says, hey, we're going to get some ice cream. What flavor does Addie Lee want? I'm like, well, what are the flavors? Well, we're going to Baskin-Robbins. There's 31 flavors. <laughs> I had three. She gets 31, right? <laughs> but what is going on with it? There's this, this huge jump in customization. I had chocolate. She gets chocolate lava covered in brownies and chocolate chips. But everything is customizable nowadays. And, and there's, you can go and do these different subscriptions where you get a box with different customized things in it. There's, you can customize shoes. You can customize pizza. You can go to your pile in the square and get a pizza however you want it. There's uh, cookout milkshakes. Anybody know what cookout is? It's a restaurant that started in North Carolina. There's like two or three here in Georgia. 40 flavors of milkshakes. But you can combine any flavor you want. You can get peanut, peppermint, Oreo, cheesecake, milkshake. I don't recommend it, but it's an option, right? <laughs> you can customize anything. You go to Starbucks. You get the grande, quad shot, half-calf, soy, sugar-free, vanilla, latte, light whip, caramel drizzle. It's a real drink. I used to work there, right? But you can customize anything. But what we've done and what our culture has a tendency to do is look at this Christianity and think, you know what? Life makes sense for there to be a higher power. Life makes sense for there to be a creator. Life makes sense for this Christianity thing. I'm going to believe in God because it's kind of what I've been taught. Grandma did it. Mom did it. I'll believe in God. But I'm only going to believe in his love, not necessarily his wrath. Or I'll believe in his mercy and not necessarily his judgment. Or vice versa. There are some some churches that all they ever talk about is the wrath of God. And they never talk about his love. Or the judgment of God, they never talk about his mercy. The blessings, but not discipline. A lot of times we want to believe that Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has plans for my future. But we refuse to keep reading that those plans include years of exile. We like to talk about the fact that God works all things to the good of those. We stop there. We don't think about call to according to his purpose. That there's action and sacrifice that has to be made. We want to pick and choose what parts of Christianity we believe in. We believe in God, but we don't fear him. There's this sense of God has made us in his image, and we've returned the favor. And made God in our image. Yeah, the Bible says that, but it doesn't really fit into this part of my worldview, so I'm not necessarily going to buy into it. We customize our Christianity. We have to get to a place where we fear God and we love God. 
you will be on Psalms 36 verses 1 and 2 says this sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts they have no fear of God to restrain them in their blind conceit they cannot see how wicked they really are now this is David and he's writing and he's talking about the evil in the world around him right he's writing this psalm and he's, he's talking about the evil he says that sin is just this evil thing that's whispering into the heart into the hearts of those around me he's whispering into the hearts of men and they don't fear God so they don't know God's commands they don't know what it means to obey him and listen to him and follow him and so they have no way of, of fighting against those whispers so they buy into it and they listen listen to the if you picture the devil on your shoulder and the angel on the right they listen to that devil because there is no angel right there's this sense of, of hearing that whisper buying into it and following it and they don't even even know how wicked they are. Sin's come into the world and is whispering in their ear, it's your life, you do what you want. It's not that big of a deal. It's your body, not theirs. Don't take God so serious. You'll look like a freak. Don't let them judge you. It's not hurting anybody. It's her fault. He shouldn't have acted like that. There's these little whispers Sin whispers into the heart, and they don't have a fear to stand up to that. And I read this passage, I read this little this part of this psalm, and I, and I thought to myself, what if it's talking to me? What if I buy into those whispers? What if there's an area in my life? What if it's talking to you? What if it's talking to us? What if we have no fear of God to restrain us? What if we're blind to our <laughs> own self-centeredness? We can't see how far from God we really are. It says in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Because that's what sin does. It doesn't just come in one day and make you so mad that you murder somebody. right? Jesus talks about having hate in your heart is the same as murder. It's a slow fade. It's this sense of, of very, very slowly slipping deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. It starts as a whisper. And if we don't have fear... The fear of God, we have nothing to stand up against it. And before we know it, we're in so deep, we don't even realize where we're at. But we have to be careful with this fear, right? I talked about a second ago how there's some churches that all they ever talk about is the anger and the judgment and the wrath of God. But God is a loving God that sent his own son to die for our sins. We have to realize that, that, that God is this loving God, and this fear is not a fear in the sense of just being afraid of God. That, and this is where I've spent a lot of my my childhood Christianity, my faith in God, I don't doubt that I was saved, right? But, but my salvation was very fear-based. And so it was like, if I, if I don't read my Bible and pray, then God's going to smite me, right? And I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to go to hell. And there's this sense of, 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 if you don't stop gossiping at work, if you don't turn, you're going to burn, right? There used to be this song that we would sing in churches. And if you read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow. And there was a second part that said, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Well, what they were really teaching was, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll burn. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But there's this sense of, of when we think about fear, that's what we picture. Right? We picture that, man, I better behave or I'm toast. I better behave or I'm done. And that is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. It is not fear-based. It is not God warding over you saying, you better do this or else. 
That's not our relationship with God. But there's another side of that where we see grace as this license to do whatever we want. This license to say, you know what? It's cold. Um, I don't have the money, so I'm going to steal this jacket, right? God will forgive me. We excuse a sin. There's the sense of, well, we got to understand that fear, fear is understanding that maybe it doesn't make sense why God would give me this command. Maybe it doesn't make sense why God would call me to do this scary thing. Or maybe it doesn't make sense that God would call me to go overseas and dedicate my life to missions. Maybe it doesn't make sense that God would call me into ministry. Maybe it doesn't make sense that I'm supposed to sacrifice this and I'm scared and I'm unequipped. I don't really know what I'm doing. But God is saying jump because I'm calling you to it. And there's this fear of God saying that even though it might not make sense, I'm going to obey you because I trust you. The best way that, that I can think to, to illustrate this is kind of a, a relationship that I have with my, my grandfather, right? And my grandfather was, uh, we would go and we, he would take us to get our hair cut and he would take us to, to get ice cream afterwards. We would go over to his house and we would wrestle and we would play. But there was also this sense that we would joke around, we could sing, we would pick on him. But but there's also the sense of knowing that he was in charge, right? Like, I can remember, I, it was so mean, right? I probably shouldn't have done it. But Grandpa would, like, laugh and carry on and enjoy the time. But he had hearing aids, right? So he'd have his hearing aids. And every time they would, like, cut in and out and mess with them. And so, like, we'd be like, hey, Grandpa, what you Really mean, right? But Grandpa loved it. He would laugh and he would pick back on us and he would just joke around. And it was just this, this memory that even now we look back on it and, like, I can't believe I would do those things, but, but he would just pick right back, and there's this fun, loving relationship. But then there's other times where, like, if we started misbehaving or me and Franklin started fighting, he'd be like, boys, I'll cloud up and rain all over you. <laughs> and he would use that phrase, and we would immediately obey, and we would listen. And if we didn't, he would thump us really hard right on top of the head, right? And there's this sense of, like, this relationship with my grandfather, man, it's loving, it's awesome, it's fun. But it's obedient because we listen to him. There's this sense of it's not just grace and it's not just truth, but it's truth and grace. This fear that I'm talking about, it's loving God and respecting God. It's being close enough to completely relax in his presence and be who we truly are. But it's also honoring enough to obey him and follow him, even if it's hard and doesn't make sense. It's relationship and its reverence, knowing that God is in this high place where he understands far more than I will ever know and understand. And when he gives me a command, I obey it because I trust him and I love him. We have to have a healthy fear of God. We have to love and trust him and obey him. And when we fear God, when we truly fear God, it's amazing how it will change our life. If you truly fear God, you will have life. Proverbs 14, 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. We've talked about this before, how Jesus has come to bring life. He's come to bring life and bring life to the fullest. But the devil has come to do the exact opposite. He's come to destroy life, to bring sin, to bring death. And there's this sense of when we don't have salvation, when we don't have this healthy fear of the Lord, going back to what we were reading earlier, that there's not a, an, an armor, there's not this thing, this defense against this, the whispers of sin. And we buy into it. And sin brings death. 
you know this if you've ever taken your own taken own action to to do something in your own hands and you've messed up and you've ruined it and you realize that 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 sin has messed up that relationship or that sin has cost you that job or that sin has had some kind of negative consequence and you can associate that with death because you can see that firsthand that sin brings death but the whole joy the whole story of this bible the main character of this book is jesus And that's what the gospel is because Jesus came and he died on the cross and he defeated death. You see that this death is no more. Through Jesus, you have a fountain of life. You have the ability not only to be forgiven of your past sins, but the the ability to sin no more. That he's completely destroyed that sin nature. That's what we're saying here. That's what this healthy fear of God allows you to step out of a life in your own hands that falls apart into a life that God has called you to. When we surrender our life, when we follow Jesus, where it's like a person being turned from the snares of death, being set free from that trap. This is a loving fear of God that can literally rescue us from death. The second thing you have if you fear God is wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, this healthy fear that we talk about, this loving respect, is the beginning of wisdom. So if we, I Googled wisdom, right? I looked it up in the dictionary, now I Googled it. Right? Googled wisdom, and this is what the definition is. It says, the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Let's just say that for a minute, good judgment. Can you ever look back at a time in your life and you thought, man, if I would have had better judgment, what would have happened, right? I've been there. <laughs> I've done some stupid stuff. I've gotten injured doing some stupid stuff. I've messed things up because of bad judgment. And what this proverb is saying, that, that the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of better judgment, the beginning of having knowledge is fear of the Lord. Knowing that God is holy and above all, that if I start with him, if I start by studying his word, start by sitting in his presence, start by praying, I start by allowing him to be the foundation of my life, I can avoid and I can navigate every single day with good judgment, with the right, making the right decision. There's so many times we get to a place in our life where we have this hard decision that we have to make. And at that point in time, we're like, man, God, give me wisdom. But what this is saying is that wisdom comes from a foundation of a fear of the Lord. We have to start there. It's like preparing for the battle before you ever get there. We have to get to a place where our life looks like a life that fears God. We're obeying him in the small things. And when the big thing comes up, we are prepared to make the right decision. We are prepared to have good judgment. That knowledge right there, I believe, can change your life. The knowledge of knowing that I can make better decisions... I can be a better husband. I can be a better father. I can be a better coworker. I can be a better citizen by just by having a foundation that is a holy, righteous fear of the Lord. Because that is the beginning of wisdom. That is how I can navigate day-to-day life. So how do you know if you have a healthy fear of God? How do you know if that's where you're at in your life? It's loving, trust, and obedience. I think about the story of Genesis of Abraham and Isaac. And I used to struggle with this story because because to me it seemed weird that God would call Abraham to sacrifice his son, right? Like, I know ultimately in the end he doesn't. But it seemed like that that very calling from the very beginning, I struggled with that. 
And so I would like read commentaries and I'd listen to messages and I'd try to figure out like what is the point behind this. And I kept to the point where I realized that like Isaac was Abraham's everything. I mean, he had prayed for years and years and years for a son. He had gotten a promise from God that he would have a son, but he never saw it come to first portion. He never saw it happen. He began to doubt God. He began to wonder if this was really going to happen. Am I really going to have this son? And he got to this place where he was so desperate and longing, ready to give up on this dream, ready to give up on this promise, and then God fulfills it. They have this son named Isaac, and Isaac is everything. The dad's finally got his son. The dad's finally got this child that he absolutely loves. You could almost say worships. He's so thankful for this son, it becomes his everything. And worshiping kids sounds weird, but I've known marriages fall apart on the altar of a kid. Their whole life dedicated to raising this child, and when the child left the home, the marriage fell apart. And Isaac or Abraham could be at this place where Isaac is his God. So God says, sacrifice him. And there's this awful, awful picture of Abraham and Isaac taking this hike. Isaac asking, where's the, where's the animal? Where's the goat? Abraham's saying, it's gonna, God's going to provide. He ties him up. He puts him on the altar. He raises that knife. And then in verse Genesis 22, 12, it says, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now I know that I am your everything. I am the one you worship. I am your God, that you don't have anything before me. And then you see the goat come out and step in place. And there's this beautiful picture in this moment of of Jesus taking the place for our sins. And there's this beautiful picture of the gospel in the sense of that Jesus should be our everything. He should be the one that we worship. And if, if you look at your life and you look at your life, the greatest evidence of a holy fear of God is obedience to God. What's the application for today's message? What area in your life is the Holy Spirit asking you to be obedient in? Is there an addiction that you need to get help for? Is it something you need to start, like a business or a new job or a blog or a small group or some kind of mentoring relationship? Is there something that you need to do that's maybe to be generous to somebody or make a donation? Or maybe it is a sin. Maybe it's living with a girlfriend and it's time to either move out or get married. Maybe it's an unconfessed sin that you need to confess to God and people. Or maybe you have the God's calling you to do something scary and you don't know what it is and it's time for you to jump. There's something in your life that I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking, saying it's time to be obedient. It's time to have this holy, righteous fear of God. Not one that says he's going to smite me if I do wrong, but one that says... I'm so in love with you, and I'm so blown away by the price you paid for me, and you've changed my heart in such a way, I will do whatever you ask me to. I will follow you, and I will obey you. It's this ongoing posture of our heart where we follow all of God, not just some customized part of him. So when you look at your life, when you look at your life, do you see wisdom stemming from a fear of God? Do you see a fountain of life flowing from a fear of God? Or are you at a place where you've been following the whispers of sin? We have to have a holy fear of God. 
It's a, it's a, a loving father, like a loving father, but also respecting as a consuming fire. Seeing the grace and the righteousness, the relationship and the reverence. That has to be what marks our life. Our life must be marked by truth and grace, a holy fear of God, not just one that sees a customized God that looks like what we want him to look like. Where is the Holy Spirit challenging you to surrender today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for courage and strength because the reason, the reason we customize our faith is because the things that you, we don't like are really hard. They're genuinely difficult. We're all created different. We all have different passions. We all have different struggles. Lord, I know mine. You know those of, the, of us in this room. And I just pray whatever that really hard thing is that you're asking us to do, asking us to surrender, asking us to take a leap of faith for, whatever that really hard thing is to do, I pray we wouldn't just customize our faith and ignore that. But Lord, you would give us courage and strength to take the action you're asking us to take. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.